Welcome to the Arena Decklist Podcast. I am Jerry Thompson, joined by Brian Gottlieb. We are back. As always, after- as always by Brian Gottlieb. I didn't miss a show. You just didn't do one. We are back <laughs> after after a break. Uh, I want to say that it was wonderful and relaxing, but it wasn't. So, I don't know. I feel like I should just do the podcast and not take breaks. How do you feel about that? Yes, I think... It doesn't feel like I get a lot of upside from taking a break, mostly because I like doing the podcast. So it's hard for me to really be like, yes, I get the week off. Um, and I, I get what you're saying. You you don't feel like a million bucks refreshed, ready to tackle the world. Of course, there's other reasons for that, other things going on that might be stressing you out a little bit, but it doesn't matter because we have so much stuff to cover. We can't even complain about it today. There, there's too many things to talk about. We won't even find room to badmouth this stuff. It's too dense. Yeah, uh, I guess like even last week there wasn't a whole lot to talk about, but we can always find something. It, so, it was a slower week for sure. We're in a really was, weird time right now where we had like a delayed release and standard is as lame duck as it could possibly be. And there's actual blackouts for tournaments. So there's no tournaments anyone's prepping for. And uh, I don't know. It's been weird. Also, Arena was uh, it got updated on Tuesday. Mm hmm. And I was like, yeah, maybe maybe I'll play some arena, you know, and like do some some drafting, like clean out my decks in preparation for Historic Horizons. Did and it was that, just like yeah. super extended downtime. And it, I just eventually gave up. It, it was a long <laughs> one. I, I did get my prep work done, though. I cleaned out all my decks and was ready to go for today where we got finally uh, jumpstart Historic Horizons after a very long extended wait. Yeah, so got to mess around with that. For a little bit, I imagine that we'll have more to talk about in regards to that next week mm-hmm. uh, because we'll have a whole lot of time to actually play and watch matches versus like, all right, try and cram in as many matches as you can in, in four hours or whatever. As it turns out, matches of Magic are kind of long. They take a while. Don't actually- also, you you have to like balance your wild cards. Like, what do I want to explore first? Because I definitely need to buy right. more wild cards at this point. I, I have used my entire stash on historic horizons even though like we said pretty fair release i don't think they went overboard and requiring a completely new collection or anything like that but uh still you got it you got to have those wild cards so i i made a, a tweet which i haven't really been doing lately uh it was just the screenshot that i sent you of me being out of wild cards Felt and in my soul. just yeah just some of the replies are like spend money idiot i was like <laughs> yeah thanks hadn't Great. considered that thank you uh but so normally I would just send that to you and I recognize that it's the thing that would make a fine tweet, but I don't tweet it. And this time I did because they monetize Twitter now, but I can't enable monetization on my page. Like just in, just in case, you know, like someone wants to give me $10, I'm not going to say no or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. But in order to get it, I had to tweet like 25 times in 30 days. Oh, uh, so you're trying to get up to that threshold now. I'm, I might not hit it still. I could certainly farm it. Uh, Andrew told me to just post cat pictures, which is smart. Okay. Yeah, that, that's ahead of the game. Uh, I, I did meet but, the requirements for monetization. So uh, get ready to pay me for those tweets any day now. I don't even understand how I would use that. Like, seriously, is someone going to pay to see, <clears throat> excuse me, a specific brand of my tweets? What are you supposed to do with the monetization? I don't know exactly what it entails, but... I don't know. I'm sure instead of like posting a sideboarding guide on Patreon or something, you could just like lock it behind a tweet. And I would hope that they make it as easy as possible for people to spend money. You know, it's just like two clicks and like you can see the thing versus like having to spend five minutes filling out, you know, your e-wallet or information or whatever. Um, so like I could see that as being potentially a thing or, you know, maybe you just post your feed pics or whatever. I don't know. all feed picks are now behind a paywall sorry everyone who has been following me only for that but it's gonna it's gonna start costing you to see these these beautiful puppies it's not free it's not free you know that's good good wholesome content right there anyway so yeah i made a tweet i don't have a lot of wild cards i do thank thank god uh that <laughs> dragon's rage channeler and unholy mm-hmm. heater commons yep. or like common uncommon it just yep. ma- it makes me so happy because it's been so long since there was something like that where you could just point to it and be like you know this is like a budgety thing that you can do and 
it slots into like a lot of your old decks too. So, you know, you ever did Phoenix, you did Rakdos stuff, boom, yep. there you go. It, it does. And it spawns so many new packages. I, I have plenty to say about those two cards, which uh, where is where most of my success came from today. I worked on some other stuff, but we'll, we'll go over all that. We'll, we'll give the skinny on our few hours we got in with Historic Horizons in just a bit. So uh, last Thursday? No, two days ago. It was Tuesday also was when, when Arena was there. Yeah, uh, I slept through this. I didn't actually watch this because, uh, you know, I go to bed at it's 6 a.m. or whatever. So uh, Magic had uh, a showcase for 2021. And obviously <laughs> there was a lot of people who were like, oh, what is what is this going to be about? Is it going to be about like organized play or any of that stuff? And it's like, no, it's just about secret layers, man. What do you yeah, think it was going to be about? I don't, I don't know why anyone got their hopes up for organized play. I don't think that's ever what these have been about. And uh, the, on, the only part of it that was a little discordant with me was the very first thing they spoke about on the show. I know you didn't watch it, so I'll tell you this. Maybe you're hearing it for the first time. It, it, basically, the first words out of the host's mouth was, paper play is back. And that was the big yikes. exciting point. <laughs> so that, that was a yikes. Uh, they made sure to temper things a little bit, you know, saying respect your local health guidelines, which if you've seen pictures of magic players, nobody does. And also uh, some of the local health guidelines are bad. not smart. Yeah, they're bad guidelines. So, so there's that whole thing going on. But I think that was the thing that maybe got me wondering, oh, are they going to put forth some kind of announcement? But no, there's, there's a little bit of talk about uh, store championships and like, commander events in store which is is fine if that's what you're here for you know i like store championships i'm not trying to be negative about that but uh yeah nothing really of the pro tour gp type level no that stuff is great but also i don't know for i to to me like paper play is equated to like grand prix and even command fests and stuff like that so for them to be like oh it's back it's like well the it's that I think of is not back, mm -hmm. right? And also, you know, a form, uh, part of what we're talking about is back. And I, I know that obviously that's a very, very important part of the ecosystem. And, you know, for people who are just like stoked to be able to go out and battle, um, I'm very happy for them. Yep. And I'm not going to do it yet because things are bad, but, you know, we'll see. I'm there's, there's good. I have a bunch of decks built, you know, that's basically what I did when, MH2 came out was like sit around build decks, goldfish, uh, order some cards, you know, stuff I didn't have. So are they outdated I mean, I at this to, point? I, or uh, they are, but like I, I could update them very easily, you know. Yep. Yep. I bought all all the cards that were very good, I think. And then if I wanted to get frisky and play like some tier two or tier three stuff, like then I would probably have to buy stuff. But whatever. Yeah. Same I guess approach. I don't have ragavans. I don't approach. have ragavans because. Because they were super expensive. And they continue to be expensive. I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Yeah. I don't know what my plan was with that. It was like, I don't know. I, I guess I'll just wait it out. Maybe maybe thought I would like draft. Maybe I, well, I doubt that. But I, I thought maybe I would be able to draft at some point. And that could take some of the, the pressure off if I were lucky enough to open one. But... Some at Whatever. some point we have to revisit all these limited formats that we never really got to do, right? Like there's, there's I want to do some, some time spiral with people too. Yeah, some kind of rewind would be sweet. Maybe maybe we take that upon ourselves and we just do it for us and some of our closest friends and and make that happen because I, I don't think there'll be a formal thing. It's going to be tough to get that together. Uh, but there's kind of like this weird lost year and a half of limited play that's just gone. Yeah, I, I mean, there's not a ton that I'm excited to actually play with, but definitely time spiral and image too with you word so uh anything else that was in the video that does not show up in this article that you know of catch uh, me up no i think this article basically sums up everything else you know there is some back and forth and uh, a little bit more clarification in some instances but for the most part this article will tell you what happened you did you didn't miss all that much okay so uh Secret layers, upcoming sets, uh, universes beyond stuff. They talked about the MTG Arena update, which is, you know, just it's live now. It's yep, happening. It's and Magic on Netflix, uh, did, did they mention that the Russo brothers dropped out for some reason that, that we don't know of? did not come up, and I didn't even know that Weird. until you said that right now. So. Oh, 
Okay, yeah. So I don't know if that's like uh this project is going to be worse or it was so bad that they left or, you know, maybe they, they just get like double, triple booked or whatever. I have no Right. Idea. Yeah. But, that's, that stuff is pretty common. So I, I wouldn't read too much into it without more information, but uh, yeah, there wasn't, there was no clip of the show. There was some like concept art and really no solid information to go on. Okay. Uh, so these, these secret layers, have you looked at them? Uh, the newest ones I've looked at. But yeah, so are you, are the, the Kamigawa one. Yeah, I, I have seen that. I have seen uh, the the out of time one, which I look. I'm not going to order a secret layer. I've just made. I've drawn a line in the sand. I'm I'm never going to order them. That is as close as I've come, though. I really like the out of time one. If you haven't seen this, this is uh, Planeswalkers done in like old style with old borders and super confusing rules text and no proper templating, and they're exactly my kind of stupid like i really like them but uh i I don't know maybe maybe someday i'll trade for these cards but i'm i'm not going to purchase the secret layer i'm not i'm not breaking my secret layer streak of never having purchased one yeah i've I've never purchased one either but the the kamigawa ones look cool i think the the art style is awesome but they Mm -hmm. do not make for good magic cards well, that's that's the problem like, I run into with the secret layer stuff is like I, I want them to still look like magic cards. And I, I think, again, the out of time drop does a very good job of that. They just look like old magic cards. Um, but your point about Kamigawa is fair. It, it's weird to see magic cards look like this. Yeah, but the, the art is super dope and I do love that. But definitely uh, not going to order any heartless Hidetsukos. I'm just not going to. Not a lot of use for those, huh? No. Not too much. Uh, Innistrad Midnight Hunt previews start Thursday, September 2nd. So, yeah, we'll be able to talk about some of those cards. Hopefully there's like a pretty big dump of cards. That would be nice. Uh, the yeah. last one was what, like six or something. I, yeah, six I really good cards. We'll get a little bit more. Six really yeah, they're cards, all really so. good. Hopefully we get something so. along those lines for next week's show and we can talk some more Innistrad. That'll be exciting. And then uh, Crimson Vow stuff. It's weird to me that they keep... I don't know, doing like news of this alongside Midnight Hunts. Like they've, hmm. ne- they've never done that for... For like a block. Even, even, yeah, even when it was like, you know, Zendikar into Worldwig, I guess that was like the norm, right? But like now since these two sets are connected, they they just want to make sure that people know that, I guess. Yeah, and they're even going a little further with the the double feature stuff. Do you know what that is? Uh, I saw it and skimmed it. Okay. Uh, it's like both both sets for drafting. Yeah, both sets for drafting in, in the same pack. And uh, I think like maybe some other special treatments in there, just like uh, as far as alternate arts and things like that. So uh, really leaning into the idea of this as uh, sort of return to block. And uh, I like it. I, I would like to see more block work. Honestly, I think w- when this shift was made away from the block structure to single sets. I was pretty happy about it. I felt like they were often getting trapped by the block structure and, uh, you know, third set problem where they they were just always flops. And maybe the answer was not to just murder the blocks. Maybe it was to go down to two sets for a block and get a little bit of thematic consistency and then go ahead and leave. And it seems like they're dabbling in a bit of that. So uh, if they returned to that full time, it, it wouldn't upset me at all. I'd be fine with that. Yeah, there's there's a lot of weird issues when you just do single sets, right? It's like really difficult to make the mechanics tie together in in terms of standard, mm-hmm. right? Also, I think draft and, has suffered for it. Like, it's interesting to have draft formats that involve multiple packs. I think. Yeah, because before it was like, okay, you know, there's champions of Kamigawa. You draft three of that, you get used to it. Then it's like champions, champions, betrayers. Yep. So it's not like you have to relearn everything. It's just like mostly kind of the same thing with a twist and yeah, trying to go from, you know, like thrown into Zendikar and Coria and you know, whatever, it's probably not the right order of sets, but yeah, I think the ideal way to do that is like three of the quote unquote core set. So like you do your three champions and then the next one is two betrayers, one champions and build your limited formats like that. And I think that's a really cool way to do it. Yeah, no, I, I like that too, but I definitely agree with what you're saying. And when you just get to staple like the two Innistrad sets together, I'm sure it makes things like a little bit easier. 
Mm-hmm. No, I'm interested to see how that draft format plays. And if we get a look at it on Arena, I have to assume it'll come to Arena. That seems like a pretty easy transition. Yeah. Uh, upcoming releases, uh, new Kamigawa sets, Streets of New Capenna, Dominaria United, and The Brothers War. Any thoughts on this stuff? Uh, the Kamigawa flavor looks fresh. I, I like the idea of going into the future with Kamigawa and doing some cyberpunk type stuff. I, I know it's pushing the boundaries of magic, but I would rather push it in this fashion where it's still tied to the past, uh, than push it in some of the fashions we're going to talk about a little bit later on in this podcast. So having seen like the first art from this set looks really, really cool. Uh, Return to Dominaria. It's all about the execution on these things, right? Like Dominaria United and the Brothers War. It, it's all about how you do it, what kind of classic callbacks you have. They generally are good at this stuff, I think. They do a good job in the Modern Horizon set. They did a really good job with the original Dominaria. So I'm excited for those two sets. As far as Streets of New Capenna, I have no real expectations. Um, you know, it could either be a home run or a flop. And that's what happens when you head to a new plane. So I am looking forward to seeing what's offered there. So I'm looking at this Kamigawa art, and did you realize that there's like a robot raccoon? Oh, not only did I realize it, I, I tweeted it immediately. I, I isolated that portion of the art. It's like an origami robot, robot raccoon that's on the shoulder of the character featured, uh, and it is yeah. incredible. This is like my fourth time looking at the art, and it's the first time I noticed it. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I, I also think right that I, I don't have notifications for anything, right? Like anything on my phone because it would just be too much, right? Of course. But I think that I should probably set up notifications for your stuff because I just never see when you tweet. Twitter just doesn't allow me to do that. I don't recommend that. I, I don't enjoy myself on Twitter, if I'm being frank. And I wouldn't want to subject you Yeah, but maybe, you to maybe I enjoy you on Twitter, Brian. Uh, that's, that's possible. That's possible. But, uh, you know, I, I am... I understand the value of Twitter as a platform. If it was not important to my career, I would have given it up a long time ago quite frankly. Well, I don't, I don't tweet and I, I don't want to say my career is good or whatever, but like, <laughs> um, I'm still here technically, right? Yeah, uh, things aren't exactly trending upward, but I don't know that's, you know, my fault or my lack of Twitter usage's fault, but eh, maybe they're linked, who knows? So if, if you want to look at uh, spots where my engagement is higher than it has been in the past, the only sphere that I'm really succeeding in is Twitter. I think fewer people listen to our podcast. I think fewer people read my articles. But on Twitter, the people are still there. So for whatever reason, I've, I've figured out that platform. Maybe the monetization is where my future's at. Uh, this is just me. I'm a professional tweeter now. This is this is what I'm destined to do. The, the thought of that never even crossed my mind. Like a professional Twitterer, but I like it. I like the sound of that. It, I mean, just it's got to be it's, once it's such monetization. Nonsense. It's got to be real, right? There's got to be some way yeah. to do it. Oh, Yeah. I mean, there, there's just enough people that are like, you know, if, if you like my posts, you know, go to my Patreon or my Kofi or coffee, whatever the website is, how it's pronounced, you know, stuff like that. It's like, this is just direct. And yep. again, I hope they make it really easy so those people can just get paid. I think that'd be great. Ideally. Uh, so with, with this Kamigawa stuff, it's it's funny to me that on the AMA episode, we talked about like cyberpunky type stuff and... Uh-huh. uh. Yeah, this this kind of fits the bill. So I'm interested. Uh, it's it's a dramatic shift for me because they've never done anything like this before. Right. Like it in in my mind, it's like yes, there's the multiverse, but like this is all the same timeline. But like clearly, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be right. Like you can just do a set of whatever the hell you want, and this is a way for them to take something that they've already built on and you know expand on it, make it make it cooler. Um, so I don't know. This is like one of those things where it's like, it could be really, really awesome. And I don't know. I'm excited to see how good of a job they do. I suppose. I think it's got a lot of potential and it was the way to do Kamigawa again. That That's the problem with Kamigawa, right? It does have all these problems. And despite being a horrific selling set, it does have a spot of fondness in the hearts of players who were around for that era for whatever reason it just, it just resonated with a bunch of people uh and i uh, i am happy to see them at least take a shot at it obviously we don't know if it's going to work but first images are pretty exciting i think 
Uh, Streets is mentioned as uh, like being run by three color demon crime families. Yeah, this one this, this one might th- even be weirder than the cyberpunk yeah. Kamigawa. Uh I, I don't know if it's just like, okay, yeah, like this is the whatever crime family that is kind of in Sultai Colors or Naya. I don't know if it's Charter Wedge or whatever, but it's it doesn't explicitly say that it's like here here are like some tricolor cards, mm-hmm. right? So it could just be like here's some green black stuff and some blue black stuff and like we just say that it's it's this or whatever but yeah i don't know it's interesting like i'm i'm basically if it is a gold set i'm down i'm down for any gold set i also just like uncorking the creativity a little bit because like i said if if all bets are off i'd i'd rather do it in a way that still references the core of magic and i i think based on what they've shown thus far they are very much of the same goal. They they want it to feel like magic, but in a new, fresh way. And that is appealing to me. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's kind of what I'm looking forward to with the Kamigawa set. Although, you know, same thing with Streets. It's just like, it it could be hit or miss. Like, you don't know. But the the creative and R&D, for, for the most part, like, uh, with the out- egregious outliers aside you know just like you take omnath out of zendikar or whatever and it's like a really good set right so i don't know i have faith basically is is what i I agree with you i agree with you i I think magic the the issues with magic over the past couple years have been issues of mistakes and just outlier mistakes not wholesale design philosophy mistakes it's it's just pushing too far in some spots and Right. Uh, nothing has really been wrong as far as flavor or as far as what they're attempting to do. It, it, if they have that under control, then I'm I'm all for these things. I guess it should be noted too that things have certainly felt like they've been powered down in terms of standard, right? And I would imagine that that would continue. Oh, no question. I mean, Strixhaven D&D, uh, those are dramatic, dramatic drop-offs. And I, rightfully so. And I think still two sets that... Uh, appealed to people you know they didn't have the standard impact you might want but as far as did people like the themes were they excited about the cards i I think the answer was a pretty resounding yes for both those sets agree agree uh as far as like dominaria and brothers war it's just it's so far out you know like yeah i guess i guess these were things that were uh, they just made up like a big part of the magic universe for when i started playing magic but for whatever reason like this this stuff doesn't resonate with me Really? That's interesting. Yeah. You just didn't so, have interest in that story or you don't like the way they call back to it or what, what's your beef? I think the callbacks have been fine, I guess. But yeah, just like the, the story, like I want to be interested in like the fantasy story aspect of things because a lot of the content I consume is related to that stuff, right? It would be awesome if like, oh, magic story also happens to be really good or whatever. Yeah. And the the Dominaria stuff wasn't really that to me at that time, as far as like, you know, maybe you could say like, okay, here's like the PowerPoint of the story. And like, this is why it's like technically good. But then it's like, you try and read the books or whatever. And you're just like, ugh. Yeah. So, well, here's a chance to try it again. We'll see if they can yeah. correct some of those past mistakes. And it, uh, it, it could, it could be good. It, it could certainly turn me around. That would be fine. That would be cool. But I am far more interested for like Innistrad stuff is like a B, but like Kamigawa streets, it's like, yeah, th- those, those could end up being A's. And then the Dominaria stuff is like, yeah, whatever C or D I'm not super excited. Well, we agree that Kamigawa is at the top of my chart. I am, I am very interested to see what they do there. There's a lot at stake, which makes it interesting. You think in terms of kind of redeeming, that plane as far as an important part of magic history or just you know turning the corner to a new era why do you think there's so much more at stake for kamigawa i mean that's part of it it's like they're they're trying two new things which is like same plane forward in time Mm -hmm. right and new setting which they have not really done anything cyberpunky in magic and you have the expectations of all the kamigawa fans right so it's just like all of these things where it's like, it, if if they do this well, we will probably see more of it, mm-hmm. right? And if it goes poorly, they will probably stop doing it. So yeah, 
lot at stake. Okay. That's it. Uh, overall, I mean, I guess there's like some other stuff in here, like Infinity, some Double Masters. Yeah, some more four more sets. What are you, you're, you're not hyped for Commander Legends Battle for Baldur's Gate? Going back to the D&D plane, I, I mean, I'm down for that. Uh, obviously, this isn't a product made for me. I'm not going to be drafting any Commander Legends, I don't think. But I'm excited that they're trying to do more with D&D. I know it's a really rich world and one that people really care for. So that's cool. Uh, the other stuff I said when Jumpstart premiered, I think it's a brilliant idea, a, a great thing for Magic, but it got kind of lost in the pandemic shuffle. It wasn't like we were all carrying packs of Jumpstart around and battling between rounds, but I could see that being a reality. So, and, yeah, and I'm sure they I mean, it's, gr <laughs> it's great that they just don't care. They're just like, yeah, full speed ahead. Let's go. Like they, they know that this will be good. Yeah, if, if things it, it's ever a brilliant get idea. It, it, it really is a brilliant idea. So I, I hope it gets a fair shake uh, in 2022. I don't know if I believe it will, but I am hopeful. And then we have, uh, you know, some Lord of the Rings, some Warhammer. Yeah, so... Not, th neither this is, is the really spot. my jam. Th this is the spot where I think things unraveled a little bit for me. Uh, we talked about this before and we were mostly on board with it. Uh, when they first did the Warhammer Lord of the Rings announcement, I think we were both, I, I would say medium. I don't think we were over the moon. Uh, when they said that Lord of the Rings Tales of Middle Earth is a modern legal set, that is where, yeah, that is where yeah. it just didn't, it didn't hit for me. Like I was okay with legacy being this nonsense home and Rick is there and all the the strange commander cards but now i i need to keep track of the lord of the rings tales of middle earth set and understand how it impacts modern and the idea of casting gandalf next to whatever tarmogoyf it's weird and maybe i'll get used to it in time but here's here's the thing you do this once and you don't stop like once you've crossed this line, you're in, you're, you're going to be doing this stuff. And that is abundantly clear with the secret layer stuff they intend to be doing with universes beyond. Cause I mean, this is just as cash grabby as you can get. And I, I don't care. Yeah, if you I think, cash grab. I think that's fine. Uh, I mostly do too. Mostly. But I, I think it's, I think but. it's fine, but yeah, putting it into like modern and historic, I guess, too, is yes. uh, yeah. again, a lot at stake, right? So we'll see. A lot at stake. I, I bristle at the idea. And then, you know, you've you've seen the posts on Twitter, I'm sure, where people talk about the future of magic. And it's just like Mayor McCheese counters your <laughs> whatever from Fortnite. And like, it's it's a little scary because you could start to see. All that is is this idea carried forward. And if you do this for long enough, that is a reality. That is what things will happen. And like the Street Fighter cards are mechanically unique. So now Chun-Li is a part of magic. And I I don't I don't know, man. I don't I, I know a lot of people are going to be excited about this. And I am not uh of the burn it all down mentality. Everything is ruined, things will never be the same. I think it's dumb. I understand why we're doing it. I'm disappointed that we're doing it. And uh, it makes magic lose a little bit of its luster to me, but it's going to make magic a ton of money. And what I would say in the past is, good, make magic money. And that means eventually it comes back to us, the competitive and franchise players who have been here forever, who have proven our love for the game and who have always had the pro tour to lean on. But now that's trickle, trickle down magic yeah, there, organized there's play. No, there's no trickle down anymore. And we know that. So this is just money to... Uh, pad stockholders pockets and make those CEO bonuses a little bigger. I mean, I have Hasbro stock, so okay. I guess that's how I can be excited about the Fortnite collaboration is that my How much do you have? To go up. I'm not going to disclose that. I I don't, okay. I don't think that's a question that I should answer. Um, but not enough that it's going to blunt the pain of having to play with Fortnite cards is how I've went. Yeah, I, I I didn't want like an exact number, but if it's just like, oh, you know, I bought like three shares or whatever, or if it's like, yeah, you know, I have a decent amount, you know, I I think that that is interesting. Uh, it's like it, it's in the our, our world. How about that? It, so it's not a meaningful amount, but it, it's it's an investment in a company that has a product that's no, near that's, my heart. That's a lot. That's a lot. Um, it is it is funny 
like I, I get, I think we all feel the same way. Whereas like, you know, wizards is doing very well, but then for those of us who are, uh, very, you know, like tournament organized play focus, it's just like our world is burning down. Yes. <laughs> and it's just like rapidly. Yeah. It's you know. just like pouring gasoline on the fire. Right. Uh, let me read you this passage too. Well, the set isn't focused on modern, like a modern horizon set might be. We wanted to give as many players the opportunity to play with these cards and enjoy them. I'm Why isn't it a standard set then? <laughs> right? I'm, I'm That's pretty how you sure, give as many players as possible yes. the way to play with it. Yes. Also, I'm pretty sure that like if they wanted to play with the cards, they would figure out a way to play with the cards, right? You know, yeah. there's like a million different formats. You could obviously draft a set, whatever. It's just like... Uh, Putting that in as a justification is, I just hate it so much. I hate it. Uh, it feels like corporate speak. And that, yes, is a lot of what it these, is. that is a lot of what these announcements are. Uh, a lot of what the statistics we get they're, coming from Magic are. And uh, they're like, hey, I know, I know that you're going to read this announcement and think that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. That's because it doesn't. We want to make <laughs> but, but we got to say it. We just have to. Yeah. Gandalf is a mythic. He's going to be dope as hell. You're going to need like four of them for your control deck. Definitely. That's the only thing that's going to matter. You thought Jace the Mind Sculptor was good. No thanks. Not even close to good enough. And Hobbit aggro, very important part of the modern format going forward. So, yeah, naturally. Anyway, uh, Warhammer, you got any stake in that? No. I, I have really no opinion. I've read the Warhammer rulebook. Uh, miniature gaming is not for me, it's a little too finicky. And, uh, I I don't have anything really ag against the brand. I just don't like the mechanics of it. The the whole measuring and all that doesn't work yeah. for me. Yeah, that's what I was going to bring up. Uh, former roommate was trying to tell me about this game that he was playing. And it's like the, the game concept is interesting. The mechanics are interesting. And I'm like, wait, how do you do this? And he's like, well, you bust out a tape measure, obviously. Yep. A lot like, of tape measuring. I'm just like, come on. Uh, <laughs> that, yeah. that to me is just so ridiculous. But, you know, you do what you got to do. So you've you've seen me hold magic cards before, and I want you to picture me oh, leaning yeah. over this crowded battlefield trying to move my tape measure around, and it, it just doesn't appeal to me. Uh, and uh, as far as the Warhammer lore, I know people who are into it are really into it. It is a passionate fan base and is probably going to introduce some new people to magic, which is the goal of all this stuff. So it's, it's not any more egregious than anything else going on. So... It's weird because I really enjoy tactics type of games, mm -hmm. you know, just like you move on this, this grid with squares, whatever. And that's effectively what the tape measure thing yes. is, except like the squares are that you just have infinite of them. Right. But it's a million times more inefficient. That's my whole problem with it is like, right. So the, I'm just like, the isn't there a better is so, way to do this? Right. The, it, there is playing the tactics games. You're, that's the whole problem with it for me is that like, I recognize that this thing exists, but I just think the video game versions of it are, are better. And I understand that's not going to be everyone's opinion. And uh, some people appreciate the infinite squares of movement, but that's, that's fine. I'm, I'm good on that. I'd rather just let the computer handle it and tell me how far I can move. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that was kind of my whole thing with it. So yeah, whatever. Bust out your tape measure if you want to. It, it just seems like that shouldn't be necessary, but, you know, it's what it is, I guess. All right. What has been your involvement with Historic Horizon so far? Well, uh, I opened up my laptop this morning. I looked at how many wild cards I had. I had a decent amount. Uh, I cracked all the packs that were left in my account so I could get any other pieces. And I got to building decks. Uh, really my starting point for today was I want to look at Vesper Lark stuff. I want to look at this historic exclusive mechanic uh, of the uh, perpetual shrinking via Davriel's withering and see if this is as abusable as it reads on its face. And that, okay, was, so that was step one. Davriel's withering gives a thing minus a power permanently, which makes Vesper Lark able to return itself. Yes. Which then creates infinite loop with blood arches and stuff. I've already seen a lot of people that are just like, what's that? So I feel like, you know, it's it's day zero, right? So might as well explain it again. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. Uh, it, it is, it, it feels like a potential splinter twin for this format. Uh, it's just a very clean combo that plays some cards that you're not 
super disappointed about. In particular, Davriel's Withering, I think, is a good removal spell in the format. It gets to most of what you want to get to. It does minus one, minus two. So, you know, it's it's killing SRAM, it's killing small Dragon's Rage channelers. Um, it, it's it's just doing a good job picking off the essential things in the format. So I'm, I'm fine with it for the most part. Phoenix yeah, is another not one. Bad. Killing Phoenix forever is a big deal. Yes. Um... So you, you built these decks, how, how much did you play with them? And did you get any draws? Uh, I, I did not get any draws mostly because if I was in that position, I would have just conceded. My goal was to just play as much as possible, learn as much as possible, as quickly as possible. Um, so I, I wasn't going to click through the things millions of times. And even if my opponents like made me click through a particularly long loop, I would just concede in that spot and be like, okay, this okay. is... Well so my, my question was, I want to know how the client actually interacts when it's a draw, when you like literally have nothing else to target. That I don't know. I can't answer that for you. Yeah, I was just curious about that. So, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Uh, I, I, will, I will do some research on that and, and try and figure that out. Um, but was not part of my experience today. It was just uh, learn as much as possible, build as many decks as possible. And what's interesting about the Vesper Alert combo is that it fits in a lot of shells. A, lo a lot of shells with very reasonable magic cards. Uh, and I, I, guess it's, I guess it's time that I get to the conclusion of this experiment. Uh, I'm, I'm not actually sure it's good, which is weird because I, I really had very high expectations. And it's also That's weird the opposite of what I've seen. It's, it's also weird because I can usually be like, I am sure this is good or I am sure this is not good. Like I'm, I'm very quick at being able to get to a place and I, I'm not there with this particular setup. It's possible I'm just building my decks really wrong. Uh, because Blood Artist is a real liability to have in your deck. And the, the most success I have found is when I'm able to make the combo piece alongside Vesper Lark just a good card on its own. Uh, so right. a, a, a Zombies build has been probably my best combo Vesper Lark deck because... Love I, it. Yeah, it, I'll, I, I posted a list over on Twitter, um, so you can check it out Yeah, obviously there. I didn't see it, Brian. Obviously, yeah, obviously I didn't not. see it. You'll have, you'll have to go and search for it. But uh, really leveraging the, the power of the Undead Augur, the card advantage zombie. If you don't know that one, it's BB22 uh, zombie. Whenever it or another zombie dies, you lose a life and draw a card. You also have zombie exclusive uh, blood artist effects. So there's Corpse Knight. There's also... What is it? Wayward Servant? Is that the other one? Or Wayward Undead or something like that? The black-white one? I think it's Servant. Yeah, I think you're right. But there's there's a lot of zombie-specific things you can do. And then you also get access to a secondary combo uh, with the... I think it's M19 Liliana? Question mark? Um, and Lil the, Liliana Untouched by Death. Liliana Untouched by Death. And then there is also um, the combo with Shambling Ghast and Liliana Untouched by Death minuses for three. You can cast zombies from your graveyard this turn. If you are able to perpetually minus on your Shambling Ghast, there is another thing you can bring back over and over because it pays for itself every time. Uh, so so all of this stuff this look, mushed together. This looks together. good. I'm looking it, at your list right now. It looks really good. It's not bad. I, I mean, like it, it, it has a secondary plan. If you want to beef about it, the real issue is that all of these bodies suck. None of them matter. And I don't think you can go as far as playing like zombie lords to try and make them relevant because they're just going to stay irrelevant anyway. What I've ex experimented with a little bit is like uh, Diagraph Colossus. So you are able to just make some big bodies, uh, particularly in sideboarded games. I think that's a viable strategy. But you really don't have a great B plan beatdown type deal going on. You do have longevity, you draw a lot of cards, you have a lot of sticking power, but you are pretty reliant on eventually landing that Vesper Lark combo with this particular setup. What if you played like two Return to the Ranks? Interesting. I, I think Return to the Ranks was the next thing I was going to experiment with. I was more trying to stay fair, but hybridizing is is really where this combo is going to shine because it in and of itself is just, it's a little bit too unreliable, a little bit too easy to disrupt, honestly. And that's going to bring me to another point that I really, really felt today is that 
it's time for graveyard hate. Like, don't let graveyards go unchecked at this point. There should be soul guide lanterns and relic of progenitus and rest in peace all over the historic format right now. Because not only main does deck. this combo exist, main deck absolutely main deck. Yep. Not only not only is there this combo, but Dragon Rage Channeler is a hell of a magic card. Uh, there's also you know just going back to the old format, there's Mizzix Mastery stuff and all kinds of stuff that's happening from the graveyard. So I agree 100%. Main deck graveyard hate is the order of business right now. Yeah, so a couple of weeks ago, I wrote an article about Dragon's Rage Channeler and built a bunch of decks with it. Uh, the deck that I thought was the weakest was Mono Red Phoenix. And so I like load up that deck, play it, Opponent plays a main deck Soul Guide Lantern, and it's just like, damn, that's good. Can't beat mm -hmm. it. Can't beat it in a million years. And I'm just not even mad because it's just really good right now. And this is like in bronze. Just like, yeah, heads heads up opponent. Yep. It was great. No, it, I mean, uh, it, it's it's so important. And it's uh, that's also affecting not to... We're, we're going to get to Dragon's Rage Channeler, but it's affecting how I'm building my Dragon's Rage Channeler decks as well. I think you need to be cognizant that you should expect your graveyard to be closed off to you at some point. Yes, yeah, I mean, I, I mostly did that with Phoenix and just trying to have like the Sprite Dragons instead of more yep. graveyard reliant things and Crackling Drakes after sideboarding and stuff like that. That's and a good one. one Young Pyromancers more than I would usually play. Yeah, and once once I switched to Is It Phoenix and like got rest in peace and just like didn't care, you know. And mm -hmm. I think yeah, being cognizant of that, building your decks like that. So like Stitcher Supplier going all in on that with like Croxa. Uh, horrible which is a tweet which is a tweet of yours that i saw because someone linked me to it there you um go. bad plan just uh, like also you, you don't even need stitcher supplier anymore you just don't you have dragon's race chandler yep yeah a, a lot of my opponents that i faced who were playing dragon race chandler were doing the whole croxa stitcher supplier and i was like please stop doing this it's just not it's not correct. You, you you need to play real cards in the historic format. It's getting very powerful. Stitcher Supplier was fine in the format uh, when payoffs were a little bit better and the format was a little bit less powerful. At this point, though, that's you, not the way you want to build your DRC decks. You also just didn't have enough cards that you wanted to play very in true. a lot of instances. But now we have Thoughtseize and Inquisition. We have Unholy Heat in addition to the Black One Mana Removal. We have a ton of different threats we can play. Like we, we have too much, right? So Stitcher Supplier, not a powerful magic card, trying to lick and stick that with village rights when your mana base is super awkward too. Uh, you know, like trying to put together like this BB combination in your deck that should at least be playing DRC, right? Yeah. Uh, is not, not the best idea. So yeah, Stitcher Supplier out. Bye. It's gone. Let's wrap back around to these uh, Davriel's Weathering decks, if you don't mind. Yes. There's, there's a few other things I worked on I want to talk about. Like I said, most of my conclusion was that you need to have uh, other plans going on. And so the, the first thing I did was just build the Abzan deck that you and I talked about a few weeks ago, where you're just a Bolus' Citadel deck that also has this Vesper Lark combo built into it. And you know all your pieces that are important, things like Prosperous Innkeeper, Blood Artist, they can all be rebought with your Vesper Lark. And you just eventually lead to Bolus' Citadel, kill them that way, or you set up your Vesper Lark combo. Uh, Bolus' Citadel feels a bit too slow for historic right now given how far the power level has pushed um it, it's also exploitable by some of the same hate cards things like graph digger's cage can certainly be problematic and there should be more of those around as well so my first experience with that deck was very underwhelming i, I just felt like rather than having this vesper lark combo which is pretty clean and has utility in other spots i would have if I, I really want to do Bolus the Citadel stuff, I would just lean into that more, not mess around with the Vesper Lark, Davriel's Withering spot, because the problem is once you start playing Davriel's Withering, you're up right against the edge of a viable Collected Company deck. And I think you have to give up, or at least I have to give up Collected Companies when I'm trying to slot in the Vesper Lark combo. So when you were like, well, I you know played this Vesper Lark stuff, I don't think it's good enough. Everyone else that I've seen has been like, yo, this is my busted Vesper Lark deck. All their decks have Collected Company in them. And yeah. I assumed that very few of your decks would have that card. Um, and maybe zero, but definitely very few. I, I built with it. It was in my first list of Absent, but I, I mean, how many creatures are they playing in their Collected Company decks? Did they not have Citadel when they had these setups? Yeah, it was just Withering Company and Creatures. Okay. 
Yeah, I, I could see a version of that that works. I mean, you have stuff like Fauna Shaman for a little bit more consistency. Um, yeah, yo, yo Man had Fauna Shaman. Th that seems completely respectable. Um, so I will have to take a look at that version. Uh, I, I thought the hybrid combo with Bolas the Citadel would have a little bit more appeal, but giving up Collected Company, no bueno. I, I agree. Collected Company is the way to go if you're trying to set up this type of creature stuff in, in the Abzan colors uh, and leverage Prosperous Innkeeper for a source of quote-unquote infinite life. Yeah, I think Citadel is fine in theory, but it only ends up actually being good in certain matchups because with Dragon's Rage Channeler, the format is a lot more aggressive. Not just like people are playing like more creature decks in general, but also their clocks are quicker. And mm -hmm. if you're doing Vesper Lark stuff, especially if you're doing Collected Company stuff, you don't have a lot of slots for like Graveyard Hate to like slow them down or anything, or a bunch of spot removal, you know? Maybe there's a way that you can tailor that with different creatures you know, but yeah. I'm even hard pressed to think about like what those creatures would be. I guess you could just do like a bunch of Skyclave apparitions or something and just try and do that. Yeah, a little mid-range approach. I could, I could get on board with that. So these decks historically have basically only worked when you're able to kind of like pressure them and mm. make them deal with the stuff that you're doing and then you incidentally combo at some point. Yes. It's Pretty similar to just like Splitter Twin and the Felidar Guardian combo decks. It's just like trying to assemble your combo and that's all you're in on doing is not really viable because as you mentioned, it's it's so fragile compared to like so many things. And I guess like Soul uh, Skyclave Apparition also helps against Graveyard Hate, right? Like they're playing like Cage or maybe Soul Guide Lantern or whatever. It's like, at least it gets it out of the way. So maybe, maybe that's a good idea. Maybe just... Yeah. Instead of, uh, you know, just like a pile of corpse knights and blood artists or whatever, is like maybe you just get some beaters in there too. I don't know. Well, I, good news, Jerry. I built a lot of decks today. So let me tell you about my efforts to do exactly that. Uh, I went to a... Uh, Mardu Vehicles isn't quite right because there's no vehicles in this deck, but uh, calling out a lot of those key cards that Mardu Vehicles used to play and adding Esper Sentinel to the mix. So Esper Sentinel, Thraben Inspector, Bomat Courier, Scrap Heap Scrounger, uh, some Nettle Cysts, which I think is a big pickup for this type of deck. Uh, Vesper Light yeah, picks nice. up that very well uh, in just in terms of beating down and, you know, returning Esper Sentinel and Thraben Inspector with your Vesper Larks that you're not really holding out on, or even Bomat Courier, that can be a and... really nice source of card advantage. Esper Sentinel and Nettle Cyst, and I, like you got me excited for this, but those are those are rares, Brian. I'm out of rares, man. I am also out of rares at this point. This is this is why I'm out of rares because I did get excited All about right. this deck. Um, and this is Esper Sentinel. Esper Sentinel just convinced me that I'm probably gonna have to spend like two hundred dollars. This sucks. Yeah, Esper Sentinel is a hell of a magic card. Uh, but th this deck is fine. But again, the bodies are just like a little bit behind everything else. And I was all about this until the first time someone uh, hit me with a Magnum, Magma Opus and Mizzix Mastery. And I'm like, well, that's just so much better than anything my deck could ever hope to do. And then you can try and play like this long grindy game at that point, but it's so hard to come back from. And No, because you know you're supposed to have main deck soul guides, man. That is a concession I would have had to make. And I this particular list does not have them. I felt like I needed to be more aggressive, but you're just kind of treading the middle of the road when you do this scrap heap scrounger stuff. Like this was aggressive for standard. It's not super aggressive for historic. And I, I think you're right. I think you do need to disrupt what your opponent is doing in some way. Soul Guide Lantern, very fine way to do that. One of the hardest things about the Vesper Lark combo though, is that you give up access to Lurus. And, and that is painful yes. because Soul Guide Lantern plus Lurus is such a strong combination. It is, uh, but a lot of that has to do with Soul Guide Lantern being like very low opportunity cost too. And when you're talking about, you know, having some sort of artifact synergies like Nettle Cyst in your deck, it's not the worst thing, right? It is not. It is not. And I, I will go back to the drawing board. Uh, plenty of Soul Guide Lanterns in the sideboard of this deck, but like we said, it, it's time for main deck. So, so that's an approach I tried. That's trying to do a little bit more of that split identity thing. I also did a similar look uh, around artifact based stuff in uh esper colors but pretty hard focused on blue white so i could unlock emery and i could unlock thought monitor uh trying to go a little bit longer in those games and then you know black disruption inquisition thoughtsies this one did have the God, main deck, that Soul sounds Guide good Lanterns. too they all sound good i agree with you these are all really exciting ideas and they were all very okay 
they didn't blow my mind. They were they were all okay, and uh, I, I want to write more about these these decks this week, and I think I'm going to, and I'll I'll detail some of the problems I ran into. But like I said, it a lot of it boils down to just how powerful the historic format is right now with the addition of these new cards, and it just felt like I didn't have my mix of cards right. I th- I think it can get there. I'm not out on this combo entirely, but none of these decks felt really far beyond the curve and one of the biggest problems i keep running into you know i'm, I'm building this artifact de- deck now so i have my esper sentinels my portable holes my thraben inspectors and all these ways to get artifact value and then there's this stupid blood artist in my deck that's like it only right. fits with vesper lark and and it's not doing anything else and if there was some way to convert this combo to be on the artifact side of things I think that's what we're missing. And and maybe it's out there. Maybe I'm just blanking on like the piece I'm supposed to go to uh, other than Blood Artist, because Blood Artist is a huge liability in these spots. Yeah, it's it's just not a magic card a lot of the yeah. time, which yeah. is super unfortunate. So I don't know, like a lot of the stuff that you're talking about, it's like, all right, I could see this this shell being good. And a lot of it is just like the artifact stuff. And then you just have like random Vesper Larks in your deck and Blood yep. Artists. And- yeah. Like, yeah, well, maybe we just cut those. Maybe we just build an artifact deck, you know? I, I did that, actually. That, that is the next thing I did uh, because I realized, like, Vault Scourge was in the format and there's just all of these very reasonable artifact creatures and, of course, Nettlesys that we mentioned before. But uh, that setup was, like, Arcbound, Mauser, Esper Sentinel, Portable Holes, Draven Inspectors. You play a Black Staff, Bomat Couriers, Vault Scourge, Scrap Heap Scrounger, all that glitters, Nettlesys, Thought Monitor. Like that's a very linear would, deck. Go ahead. I would tell you to play a second black staff, but I think you're out of wild cards. So. No, no, I have two black staffs. You're safe. Okay, good. Um, good. Yeah, so you know, a, a very linear deck that doesn't really interact with the opponent all that much. Of course, post sideboard, you can get your memory lapses or mystical disputes, whatever you whatever you need for the situation, and get a little bit more interactivity. But I was a little concerned with this deck just being a worse version of basically Orzaboras. I think like the SRAM engine might not be worth giving up uh, because they present a pretty similar clock with a lot more resi- resiliency. So the, the format would have to look a certain way before I would be wanting to play this deck over that. That's fair. It's just like your cards are a little bit better individually, but yeah, you're certainly missing out on a lot by not doing aura stuff. And like that, if, that's there, still if there wasn't, consistent. yeah, well, if there wasn't a redundant SRAM in the form of, yeah. Spirit Walker, then I would agree with you 100%. But they, they do have enough redundancy at this point where it feels like they they mostly get to do that thing even in the face of disruption. And you're right, individual cards are better here. And I think your sideboard games are probably going to be better with this deck. Uh, but I, I don't think you're doing game one quite as well. Man, Nelsis is just Core Spirit Dancer in three auras all by itself. So I don't know. It does feel like it sometimes. <laughs> uh, one like, last deck this, this, uh, in this space. This is it. Hold on. No, this is just like the perfect format for Nettlesist, right? It's like, it's kind of embarrassing in modern, like would need a lot of help in standard. And at that point, it's probably a little bit too good. But like historic, mm-hmm. it just seems nice. I mean, y- you've seen what these uh, living artifacts can do. These equipments are extremely, extremely powerful. This one is no exception. Uh, we had it on our top 10 must craft list. And I still think there's a reason for that. This card has a lot of potential in the format. All right, last deck. Last Go. deck. And this is why there's a reason this is the last deck. Uh, So at this point, I'm like, I just want powerful cards in my deck. This is nonsense. And the most powerful card in the set, it's got to be Dragon's Rage Channeler. I mean, it's just such an overwhelming card. So now I hybridized basically, uh, you know, a Rakdos looking Dragon's Rage Channeler deck. All the stuff you would expect, Thoughtseize, Inquisition, Inquisition. Young Pyromancer, Village Rites, Dreadhorde Arcanist. So all these card advantage engines, the search you get from Dragon's Rage Channeler, and also you just have four Vesper Larks and four Davriel's Withering, and Vesper Lark gets back your Dragon's Rage Channeler, it gets back your Dreadhorde Arcanist. So it's, it's getting back a bunch of meaningful cards for you, and you can just backdoor this combo. And this is where I had the most success, maybe besides Zombies, that's, that's arguable. But this is where I had the most success just playing a different game plan and then being like, oops, you're getting Vesper Lark now, and there's nothing you can do about it. That sounds solid to me, but you still have Blood Artists in your deck, yeah? I still have Blood Artists in my deck, yep. And you can't get away from that. That's the whole problem here. And, you know, you have some young Pyromancer synergy, which can 
occasionally matter. Uh, I'm not going to say it never comes up, but yes, Blood Artist is in your deck, and that is the core problem of the Vesper Lark strategy right now. If you find a way to solve that, and like I said, the Zombies deck does that to some extent by doing it with a zombie instead, so you get some tribal synergy. You can turn on your Crypt Breakers, but as as far as just quote unquote Vesper Lark decks, I don't know. I don't know how you get over that hurdle of having to rely on Blood Artist. I, I think you just need to play a ton of sack fodder or return of the ranks priest of forgotten gods. Like once you start leaning into that stuff, blood artist is like a little bit more palatable, but it's still not great. Yeah. I, I wanted to do like a sacrifice shell that also had Vesper alert combo, but that is such a meaty shell. It takes up so much space in your deck that it's, it's really hard to slot something else alongside it. Mardu let's go. Been working on it. Uh, when I have a final list, I will, I will let you know, but it, like I said, it, it's hard to get all the pieces together. So I, I will continue yeah. to pound away. And it was such a small amount of time. I was frustrated by how little time we had because like I said, I'm not off this combo. It, it has potential. It just didn't blow me away on day one. Like I, I kind of thought it was going to. Yeah, I mean, like Vesper Lark Withering is good. It's like having to have something else alongside it that's not embarrassing. That's the problem. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of people have been making up for that with just having Collected Company. And it's like, well, maybe, you know, this finds... Uh, the Vesper Lark and the crappy thing that we used to kill them, or it's like a Fauna Shaman that you can use to translate into a Blood Artist, you know, mm -hmm. and just gives you like a little bit more raw power. But yeah, I think like a, a company deck, probably with Fauna Shaman that can also function as a reasonable aggressive deck would probably be a good place to go. Zombie seems fine. I would, I mean, I guess it's okay with. Blood Artist and Corpse Knight and all that stuff, but I would try and make those a little bit better. Like maybe just play Priest in your deck or Return the Ranks or whatever. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, another interesting way to take this, and it's unfortunate because I, do, I don't think this is as viable online, is that you could, you could just look to gain life and not worry about Vesper Larkin and killing your opponent because you theoretically have access to infinite life. And then you so, could do... Soul Warden? Soul Warden, right. And the reason that's interesting to me is because you can find that with Rager Captain of Eos. So now you can do things with Collected Company where you find like Rager Captain, Vesper Lark, you get okay. to go find your Soul Warden and you protect on that next turn too, which seems really good to me. You could also do it in like a Soul Sisters type shell since Vesper Lark can return your Sarah Ascendant if you were really going hard down that road and just doing hard life gain. So there's a bunch of interesting roads there too. But the problem is I don't know how much life you can really gain in that limited period of time. Like gaining yeah. 40 life is not really going to be meaningful. So. Heliod will kill them. Heliod could kill them. That's true. That's true. And then, uh, so with with all the artifact stuff, at some point I was looking at like Arcanist Owl. So maybe there's something to combine Vesper Lark, Arcanist Owl, all the artifact enablers. And uh, th like I said, so many roads to go down and I want to explore them all, but I'm out of wild cards. So, so that was the end of my exploration. And that's when I started playing Dragon's Rage Channeler decks. And uh, surprise, they're freaking awesome. Well, let's, let's both put down a couple Hondo. Let's do it. Nothing left to do. That's, that, they got us. They got us again. Magic always wins. I mean, it's, it's a big set. Like, I, I would expect you to have to do this with a set like this or with a big set after rotation, you know? And then maybe in the meantime, you can just craft here and there or whatever. But. It is still annoying that I have to, if I wanted to like take the double shot, I have to play the jump start format. And the way I'm probably yeah, going to do is just that. buy a bunch of packs of nonsense that I don't even need. So, Well, you could just gamble, right? You can just like buy and then like they give you choices between the packs. So maybe you like try and spike the pack that you need or whatever, but that's, yeah. that seems worse than... So buying boosters from a different set that you might need cards from and trying to open wild cards. I don't know. Yeah, that's, Fill your that's the problem is I don't need, and I, I just don't need any other cards from other sets. They, they already got that okay. money from me. So now they're just getting redundant money. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not full on every single set. So mostly there. Uh, DRC stuff is good, obviously. In Shocker. case folks are, folks are wondering, uh, there's a lot of good shells too. Like, is that, is that is mostly what you did today? Yeah, Is It Phoenix has been really good. Mono Red, I think, is fine in a different set of circumstances. And I was super weak to Graveyard Hate, but you probably don't have to be. 
Uh, a lot of that is probably just like, you know, maybe I'm not supposed to also be playing Dreadhorde Arcanist. Like, it's a good card, but yep. realistically, it just walks you into the same stuff that you're already weak to. So, like, why why are you bothering? Uh, I've seen some Hollow One lists get posted. I also had one of those in my article, which I wasn't thrilled about, but it definitely, you know, fits the mold of what a DRC deck is trying to do and wants to do. So, is it Phoenix was really good. Your Grixis deck looked good, which was basically just like is it splashing Luris and some k commands uh correct your mana base was ambitious i think that you need some more black sources i also think that there's probably no reason for you to not just be playing like you know some inquisitions or thought seasons or whatever instead of i don't know like the random spell pierces that you had you know what i mean like if you're gonna splash Luris, you might as well commit yeah so and also reason- i would just want those cards anyway I can't fault you for that. The reason I didn't do that route is because, like you said, my mana base felt ambitious. I didn't want to go the full set of shocks, uh, not knowing like what kind of aggression is going to be present in the format. But m- maybe you do have to just make that concession. And the problem there too is that if you're doing that, then you probably are, are giving up like your Spire Bluff Canal slot, so you can still play the Fable Passage. Because I, th- I do think you need to play Fable Passage when you're playing Dragon's Rage Chandler. Uh, what do you, What do you think about that conclusion? Depends on if you have looting or not. Yeah, so I, I'm not playing for looting because we've talked a lot about how looting in Dreadheart Arcanist decks is not exactly what you're looking for. Uh, you, you're looking for something that is card positive, not just card neutral. It gets a little bit better in circumstances where you have Dragon's Rage Channeler because it does such a good job of paying you back uh, You know, once you establish Delirium. And of course, Unholy Heat is a big part of the equation too. Um, so, so maybe I could go harder on Faithless Looting. Right now, my deck only has two copies. Which I understand feels weird, but I was no that that's was that's fine. About. That's fine. A lot of my list only had two copies too. If I was like Rakdos with some Croxes or whatever, and once you have things like Soul Guide Lantern in your main deck, that is, like that's a wild card, right? So like if you're if you are missing lands, that can substitute potentially. So right, it it makes me like I, I would not have fable passage in like a lot of my deck lists unless i thought that it was free or i wanted it anyway or needed to enable fatal push or whatever right, right. uh so i think that you playing four because of your mana like how you wanted your mana to be made sense but i also think that if you're starting from scratch with a new format you're you're like already trying to temper your mana base assuming there's going to be a bunch of aggression, but I think that you just go as hard as you want and then pull back. Then adjust. Rather than like start in the middle, you know? No, I think that's a totally reasonable approach. That makes sense. So, yeah, I would would get the passages out of your deck because like you're you're doing Lurus stuff, right? So you you had like six Black Shocklands, a Swamp, and four passages. And once you get that basic Swamp, then the passages don't do anything. And the Swamp is not great with expressive iteration and sprite dragon if you actually do draw it so it just it looked really awkward to me you could potentially play like a chromatic sphere if you wanted to but i think it's just worse than soul guide that's interesting interesting yeah that's it i I looked at your list and was like this this does look good i would just want to add more black to it okay noted uh the games though i will tell you felt great they were exactly i mean big surprise i love a dreadhorde arcanist deck you you know i love this style of play it, but it, it felt like exactly what i what i wanted to be doing running my opponents out of resources kind of dictating their plays by virtue of my own aggression uh setting up future turns it, it was all there and it felt exactly like legacy delver if you're a fan of those approaches and exactly how the modern uh is a decks feel right now so i was very pleased and like to the extent that I could see myself actually grinding ladder with this deck, I enjoyed games that much. And it's wild to think that if you just go back a month, this deck has Brainstorm as opposed to Opt. Like, you have got to be kidding me. Well, we'll have the the new one soon enough, which will be right. cool too. Right, yeah. And there was multiple times in, in deck building too where I wondered if, like, will I be playing eight copies of that effect? And uh, it, it's hard because, like I said, I think you should be backing away from the graveyard a little bit. And it's why... Uh, in a lot of instances, I've I've kind of split my Dreadhorde Arcanist with Young Pyromancer, and certainly Dreadhorde Arcanist is a card I prefer. But I just think Better you need to have plans. Yeah, I, I just think you need to have plans for what's coming, and what's coming is a bunch of Soul Guide Lanterns. So may as well get ahead of it. Yeah, uh, uh, you you compared it to like Legacy Delver, 
But what what I actually saw was just my modern Grixis deck, mm-hmm. where like sure. you had you had the cheap early threats, but you just don't care about them because nope. you're just going to crush them in the late game. But you get to have these things that give you free wins and allow you to get under your opponent or even like do some blocking if you need to. They're just like super versatile and Arcanist is a card advantage engine if it doesn't die. So it looks really good. Deck does it all. I, I would give it uh, my highest recommendation. It's, it's the best thing I've came out with. Uh, and I think putting Jerry's observations into it and fixing the black a little bit, completely reasonable. I approve that as well. Give it like six out of five raccoons. That's that's as high of a praise as I could ever give anything. So yes. Game. Good luck.